Hi, I'm Sophia Amoruso, founder and CEO of Girlboss, and this is Girlboss Radio. The show for and about ambitious women, exploring the wins, losses, and insights learned on the winding road to success. Okay, we're midway through December of 2019. We're about to enter a new decade, days away from welcoming in 2020, which is wild. It's been such an incredible year for us here at Girl Boss. We've accomplished so much. I'm so proud of our team. We held our fifth and largest ever Girl Boss rally at UCLA over two days with more than 120 speakers and 1,600 attendees. We launched the Girl Boss Professional Network, which, if you haven't seen it, is at girlboss.com. It's literally a social network, it's a professional social network. You can create a beautiful profile, you can ask advice from other incredibly accomplished women. We have weekly digital firesides, which are are Ask Me Anythings uh, with a lot of the women who come on Girl Boss Radio as well, where you can interact directly with them. And we came back with season two of two other podcasts, Lip Stories and In Progress, as well as a new series called Mentor Memos. We also held our second Cadillac retreat in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We rode horses and we did so so much more here at Girl Boss. I'm so proud of everything that this team has accomplished. But okay, I could sit here and reminisce about the year for some time, like forever. I could probably write a book about it, but I want to get onto the show. We're trying something a little bit different this time around. Instead of focusing on one guest to wrap up the year for Girl Boss Radio, we're going to have multiple guests. We thought it would be fun to go back and revisit some of our favorite moments and lessons from the podcast in 2019. I've learned so much from these incredible guests this year, and I hope you have too. And if you haven't caught up with every episode, that's okay. There's still time to binge listen to Girl Boss Radio. But to jog your memory a little, we've rounded up five of our favorite episodes from 2019. Each of these women have brought me some valuable lessons and what it means to be both a leader and an entrepreneur. And now on to our first clip. I want to start at the very beginning of the season, which we came back from a short hiatus to relaunch Girl Boss Radio. We kicked things off with a special episode featuring Reshma Sajani, the founder and CEO of Girls Who Code. And she shared some awesome information about what it means to cope with failure because we've all been there. You know, I've been there. It's hard, it hurts, and it's not easy. We can always, always bounce back. I loved my chat with Reshma. Here's a little bit of our conversation. We talk ourselves in out of ideas before we even start. Mm-hmm. And so we don't know. And here's a crazy thing. Like, Sophia, I'm not a coder. I was terrified hmm. of math and science. I started this organization when I was publicly humiliated and lost, had the biggest loss of my life. Like, I should never have started it, and this organization shouldn't exist because in many ways I'm the wrong person to have done it, right? So everything was working against me. And, like, I feel like in many ways my story is, like, you just don't know where failure leads you. And had I listened – because I – had I listened to someone – because a lot of people have a lot to say. Why would you start a coding organization when you don't know how to code? (laughs) I mean, why would you start a nonprofit when you've never – started a nonprofit before. You know, there was always, there's so many reasons why I shouldn't, woulda, coulda, right? But I just didn't listen to anyone. I just kind of followed my heart. And because like I had lost that race and I had not died, because sometimes we think failure is going to break us and it didn't break me. 
it made my ability to take risks and to try greater. You know, I thought I had processed it, and now I'm starting to write another book, and I'm realizing how little of my experience of failure I've actually processed. Mm. And so you can totally keep running and running, and I did. I jumped up. I started building Girl Boss like right away after Nasty Gal, but I'm now realizing how much it affected me. And it is, I'm still fearful and, you know, held back in ways that I wasn't before when I was naive, but I also have like a really great kind of hindsight. You know, for all that is said for resilience, I do want to ask you, like, have you grappled with the actual feeling of failure, even though you've gone on to be brave? Like internally, that's not always what we feel every day. What's your experience been like when, no, with that? No, I mean, for sure I haven't. I feel like the hack on failure is to give yourself a finite time to brood about it and to think about it and to analyze it and then to move on. And I think that you go into your deep places like to learn, but you shouldn't stay there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like for, and I, I know, listen, don't don't think that when I see people running for office that I don't have a large jolt of envy. And then every year or two, like I have to ask myself the question or I have to say to myself, is there a reason why you keep telling everybody you don't want to run because you're afraid to lose? Mm-hmm. So it's not like all of that failure doesn't come back to haunt you in certain ways. Tell me about it. I see my friends, my friends, my peers, there's this incredible generation of women starting businesses, um, not starting businesses, who are building them to the size that I built Nasty Gal, and I watch, and I'm like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I did that, but I didn't pull it off. Like, And it is really hard to watch, even though that's, you know, that, that's the past, and I'm doing something new, and I feel really good about that. It can be very hard to watch people win at the thing that you lost at. Yes. I think the thing that you have to recognize is that so many of them watched us fail mm-hmm. and learned from our mistakes. Yeah. And they've told me that. And so that's amazing, it right? Is. Because we are one part of such a longer journey and a longer conversation. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. But I, I guess I guess I have a lot of faith in like, you know, it's funny. I, I have a lot of faith in the fact that uh, life is long and that everything happens for a reason. And it's just not long enough for us to look back and be like, oh, that's why my company failed. Yeah. It's a marathon, not a race. So that was April. Fast forward to May. Elaine Weltroth joined me on Girl Boss Radio. I love chatting with her. And she taught me so much about what it really means to make change behind the scenes. And that's something she's become known for. She's an incredible author of a book called More Than Enough. She's a dear friend and a former editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue. And when we sat down to chat this May, Elaine shared how she went about hiring a diverse team and changing the media landscape during her time at Condé Nast. I was hired at such a interesting turning point in our country. You know, we were in the Obama era and there was this sense that uh, we were almost approaching a post-racial reality in America, which we all know now was never true. But I think, you know, as we inch towards 2016 and what, you know, that, that presidential election, I think a lot of truths were unearthed and people had to confront realities that maybe they weren't as comfortable talking about before. And it was unavoidable. Like the and and the other the other side of it is that, you know, this conversation about diversity and inclusion 
can kind of sometimes feel like just jargon, like we're just throwing around buzzwords that we don't really understand the meaning of. But the reality is that, you know, inclusion and diversity and inclusion is a business imperative and it benefits the bottom line when you have a more diverse team, when you have, you know, work that is more representative of the world. And no one's going to say no when you're winning. No one's going to say no when the decisions you're making are actually resulting in success overall. In fact, they're going to try to learn from those decisions. So certainly there were risks that we took and we were first to do certain things. Um, and we, we, we kind of threw out the formulas and it wasn't necessarily an environment where we felt restricted. I think that's the misnomer. I think people assume that at a big company like Condé Nast, people were constantly telling us, no, we had to fight. It really wasn't that way. I felt really lucky to be at a company that, first of all, had a leader that really did empower me. She empowered me as a leader, as a director at 25, which was young, and really did hand over the reins and say, you can make this what you want it to be. I think that's really rare. Um, And I think, you know... Anna Wintour, I think, has a certain reputation for being really hard-nosed, but she's also very open-minded. She loves to mentor and and she loves to learn. And I felt like she was always really receptive to the changes that we wanted to make at Teen Vogue. Certainly, I'm sure we push folks out of their comfort zone a bit, but ultimately, I think it was hard to ignore that we were galvanizing a new community of young people around this new mission that was more, you know, we were, we weren't afraid to talk about social justice and politics and, and to do it in the same conversation as beauty and fashion. And the world was responding favorably. So I think, yeah, I mean, in terms of just like how we did it, I think, I think my mom always says the proof is in the pudding. And I think that's, you know, we had to prove that, this was a mission that was going to resonate, that was going to matter to a new generation. And, and I think once we did it, we really did have space and freedom to create what the kind of magazine that I wanted when I was growing up, the kind of magazine I needed when I was younger. You did it by doing it. Did it by doing it. I tried a lot of natural deodorants, making the switch from conventional to natural. It can be tough. Hug Me by Bloom was the only one that worked for me. So here's how it works. Hug Me deodorant by Bloom, that's B-L-U-M-E, is made with probiotics. The probiotics encourage your body to make more good bacteria, and as a result, your body produces less bad bacteria, so B.O. doesn't exist. Mainstream antiperspirants contain aluminum, which get absorbed into our bloodstream and have been linked to cancer. However, Bloom is all natural, and it's rated the best deodorant ever by the New York Post. Plus, you can try Hug Me risk-free. There's a 30-day satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Hug Me by Bloom keeps you feeling fresh and super huggable. Right now, our listeners will get 25% off their first stick and free shipping when you go to bloom.com slash girlboss. That's bloom.com slash girlboss for 25% off your first stick and free shipping. If you don't love it and feel amazing when you wear it, return it for a full refund. No questions asked. B-L-U-M-E dot com slash girlboss. Elaine taught me so much about what it means to stick to your vision and your beliefs. 
Sometimes you have to change and adapt when the life you thought you wanted conflicts with your core beliefs. Kat Sadler is a great example of that. Kat is a former host on the E! Network, and she famously walked away from her dream job there. It was a challenging decision, but she knew she had to stick to her integrity and value herself first. We covered a lot from what it means to pay your dues to when it's time to walk away. Here's a little bit of that conversation. I was definitely guilty of just, okay, yay, I'll do that. I'll, I'll work nights, I'll work weekends, I'll kind of be on call 24-7, but if this is it, okay, I'll just keep working really hard, okay, because I know I have a good job, okay, I'm lucky. The worth piece came in, I think, maybe that comes with age, maybe that comes with tenure, maybe that comes with um, all of that, but I think the the worth piece really became evident to me when I was used so much and I was on a, you know, I was taking up a lot of real estate on the network. So I knew I had value because they kept giving me jobs to do. So I was obviously good enough at it. But then when the play came in to try to negotiate for considerably more money and, and being refused, um, that gets you real angry. You know, that yeah. gets you, that gets you pissed off enough to then really reevaluate where you are. So you said it wasn't about the money, but at some point it does become about the money um, because money is something that matters to all of us. No mm -hmm. matter where on the pay scale we are, we all deserve to be paid what we're worth. Um, and at some point you found out that your peer was making twice your salary. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the conversation, how that came to light, how you found out about that. Yeah. Well, at the time, um, I was I was doing two shows. It was in the like February of my last year there, and I was I was hosting a two hour live show. Back to our conversation about live TV and how how much harder that is. I was hosting that show for two hours every day, and then I was doing the nightly news, e news, about three days a week at that time. Um, so I was doing I was. I was on a lot of shows working harder than I'd ever worked. And I had just started coming in even four hours earlier a day to do that live morning show. So my hours had increased. My job load had certainly increased. And um, and I'd been there 12 years. And so someone, a female executive, in fact, kind of called me into this meeting saying it was about one thing. But then I started, you know, it's that ooh, the executives calling me into what's it really about? It was one of those things. And we ended up in my dressing room and the door closes and, and, and it was a part of a bigger conversation. But she just said, you need to know that you are severely underpaid and uh, in comparison to him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Why is she telling? Why, why, why is she she telling me this? Because I knew my contract was up at the end of the year. So usually in TV land, you know, it's about a six month negotiation. Do they want me to stay? Do they want me to go? Am I? Do I want to stay? How all the many uh, variables that are involved? And so it just got my mind. You know, I was like embarrassed a little, but I was like, wait, what? Because I had never even thought about it. Like I probably assumed he made more um, or some more, but not drastically more. So I, I went and asked him because we were very, very good friends. And he confirmed what she had said. And then I got fired up. So then I was like, okay, hold on, because I was working so hard. I think when you work so hard, and you give so much of yourself, and you're so dedicated, and you're so loyal to a company, and then you find that out, you're it's hurtful. So um, I was like, all right, okay, information is power, went to my team, 
Um, because again, like in, in our business, for those of you listening, you know, you don't, you are not the person in the room doing your negotiations. You are, of course, in charge of your own destiny um, and you give the cues to your team. But we all decided, I said, hey, I want ballpark. Like if I'm going to continue at this rapid rate and, and this was a situation just to be very clear um, where it was very apples to apples, you know, and when you are a single mom of two kids, it's like, you know, I'm going to fight this fight. But I also I didn't even think it would be a fight because I really was so convicted in the fact that we were equals that I was like, oh, they'll do the right thing. They'll do the right thing. I'm doing two shows. I get up earlier. I'm here sooner every day. I mean, you know, all, all these things. And so for all intents and purposes, we were there the same amount of years and we were doing, you know, the similar jobs, if not the same job as co-hosts or hosts on E! And we were the similar profile, you know, like as far as like it wasn't like he was 10 times more famous or something or had 17 more shows or, you know, it was very neck and neck. And so I thought they would, I thought they'd meet me there and they just refused. They just refused. And so the writing was on the wall and I was like, you know what? peace. (laughs) I've never quite said it like that. (laughs) It was not that easy. I think we all want cute gym wear. And that's why I'm super excited to partner with Fabletics. I just got my shipment yesterday. I'm obsessed with it. And I'm wearing the high-waisted seamless rib legging in black to the gym every day. And trust me, you don't want to miss out on this very special offer. Get two leggings, for only $24. That's a $99 value when you sign up for a VIP. Be sure to check out my favorite leggings, which are the high-waisted seamless rib legging in black, and get them all there in stock as designs change monthly. All you have to do is go to fabletics.com girlboss to take advantage of this deal now. That's fabletics.com girlboss to get two leggings for only $24. That's fabletics.com slash girlboss and the best part is there's no commitment to purchase monthly and free shipping on all orders over $49 and also make sure you enter in your email address when you take the style quiz as you'll receive exclusive discounts in the inside scoop about new collections that haven't even been released yet go to fabletics.com slash girlboss again fabletics.com slash girlboss terms and conditions do apply I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kat. Kat knew really early on what she wanted to do for her career, but sometimes we find ourselves in a new role that we never thought we'd have. That was the case with Huda Katan, the co-founder of Huda Beauty. Huda started her career on YouTube as a beauty vlogger and never, like so many of us, thought she'd inherit the title of CEO by nature of founding a company. And sometimes... It proves that life has other plans for you, and it's okay to embrace being your own kind of leader. Here's a little bit of my conversation with Huda. We don't know what we're capable of, you know, and like you get put into a position and you don't even know all of a sudden you become somebody you never thought you would become. I didn't want to become CEO of our company. My husband was like, you have to be. And it really taught me so much about myself. It's really crazy. You know, yeah. like you don't know what you're capable of until you're forced into that position. And so um, I can't say that enough. Um, yeah. I think people underestimate, you know, they say work, work, you're working all the time. But when you are on a trajectory and you're able to go down rabbit holes and learn things, it's business can be such an opportunity for personal growth yeah. because you're just pushed into things you have absolutely no control over and you have to you're buried under it and you have to find your way out if you don't have the personal growth you won't be able to deal with you know what's to come and I feel like we've 
I've always, I do a lot of personal development and I feel like I do the inside work so I can deal with the outside. If I don't, I literally, like I can't talk to people. I can't, I, I'm almost debilitated. So I think it's really important. I've been forcing my, my team to do that too. And you work with a coach. I do. I've had a life coach for three years. How is that? What does your life coach do? She's almost like my therapist. <laughs> do you go to no, therapy too? No, I don't. No, she's uh, she's kind of both. If I'm honest, she's uh, she's amazing. She's a psychologist, but she's also genuinely an amazing life coach. Um, and you know, she, I feel like a lot of times just saying things out loud puts things in perspective, and you're almost like, okay, so I feel this way. I feel frustrated because I want to do this, and I feel like I am. You know, there's so much more that I want to happen, but you have all those feelings inside. And then when you start putting them out like side, all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, this is actually how I fix this. And this is why this is happening. And maybe I need to be a little patient here. Um, but it's just, it's, it puts a lot of clarity. The only thing I will tell you is I know there's a lot of life coaches out there and I, and I think that you really need to find the right one for you. And that's really what changed my life a lot. She's amazing. So I want to get back to Huda Beauty. Yes. Um, how did you initially fund it? So I um, borrowed $6,000 from my sister. And uh, I promised her if I didn't sell the lashes, I was going to wear them all and then pay her back one lash at a time. And she agreed. It was <laughs> she's really nice. <laughs> I actually calculated. I was like, wow, that would have taken me my entire lifetime to pay her to back. <laughs> yeah, to pay her back. It would have been crazy. Um, and then so we funded it ourselves. And then it wasn't enough, honestly. Um, so I had to do a couple of makeup gigs, but we were struggling. Um, you know, we were struggling so badly for the first couple of years and actually the distributor we had at the time was like, Hey, we'll help fund you guys. Um, and it was really challenging because then they ended up not ordering that many products because I think they wanted to keep our value down and it was really challenging. How did you figure out how to make eyelashes? Oh God. My sister Mona forced me into it. Cause I was like, I'm not going to do this. We're not starting a brand. We're not going to do it. She's like, no, we are. And she actually found manufacturers that we could work with. And she like, I was cutting them up and making them and she was taking those and sending them over. She like forced me to start this. She literally forced me. Are like, you so grateful? I am, but I don't know if she's grateful because I feel like I drive her crazy now. Well, hopefully she has equity in the company. She, she has a lot. She can be grateful yeah. for that. <laughs> that was a great conversation. Huda reminded me that when you're an entrepreneur, you're often thrown feet first into the fire. And that's something I also learned from Jennifer Meyer as well. Jennifer is a jewelry designer who's achieved so much success without having had any previous training in her industry. But that didn't stop her because grit and perseverance will get you far. It's easy when we're a leader. We don't want to make unpopular decisions. We don't want to disappoint people. We want our employees to feel good all the time. And sometimes business comes with hardships. Sometimes you got to lay down the law. And being a people pleaser isn't always good when you're in a position of leadership. So learning on the go is something we all do. And that's something Jennifer has a lot to say about. Here's a little bit about what she did have to say. I've said this before, but it really it really does ring true. I think that sometimes people are done working for you. And you know it and they know it. And it's hard to move on. And it's hard to let people go. And it's hard to sort of figure out ways to grow your business. And I think there are times where there were people that they were done and I was done. And... We should have moved on a lot earlier than we did because when we did move on, the company grew and we did things so much better. But I don't want to hurt people's feelings and I get worried about how to how things will look without them. And sometimes you just got to say, this isn't working out. Mm -hmm. You got to move on. And the company grew 
every single time. Wow. It grew every single time because I'm a people pleaser. I truly am a people pleaser. So I'm like, do anything to make things work. And that that hurts yeah. you in the long run. Stale energy can bring the average down. I think when other people experience that, they start modeling that. Yeah. Or if someone's not a performer, other people are like, why am I working so hard? Yeah. What What is this? This isn't like, I, I'm excellent. Why aren't they excellent? Yeah. Uh, so it affects so much more than that, the one individual. What would you say your biggest career victory to date would be? I mean, you know, listen, first of all, of course, when Jen wore the jewelry in the breakup, I mean, that was like, okay, here we are. This is, this, this has now an opportunity to be something. I didn't know it would be this, but it, I knew it could be something. And I think along the way, you know, whether it's winning that CFDA award or it's, you know, Meghan Markle wearing your jewelry and you don't know that that's coming and moments like those. I mean, there's so many great moments, um, that, or you're, you sell your first, you know, six-figure piece. I mean, you do things like that, and you're just like, whoa, this is incredible. And I, I really, every single day, just don't take it for granted that every day is sort of a success, that you're selling jewelry and keeping your doors open and feeding people. I love Zoom. We use Zoom every day here at Girl Boss. We have four team members that work remotely, and it's incredible for large group collaboration communication as well as one-on-one meetings. You can dial in and just do a phone call. You can do video calls from pretty much any device. Zoom gets business done. Zoom didn't invent video conferencing, they just made it better, and now, Zoom is how business gets done. Zoom is an enterprise-grade video conference room designed for instant collaboration with flawless video and audio, instant wireless content sharing, and a single tap of a button to start a meeting. And Zoom phone works seamlessly from any device as your business phone system to make and receive phone calls, capture call recordings, and easily elevate from phone call to video if the need arises. We use screen sharing a lot, so... I present to investors our deck and I share it on video so I can actually walk them through it and know which page they're looking at when they're looking at it. Zoom is used by millions to connect around the world. Why wait any longer? Visit Zoom online and set up your free account today and meet happy with Zoom. And that's it, 2019. I mean, oh my God, what an amazing year. Girl Boss Radio is properly a network. I'm so grateful for everybody who's listened to Girl Boss Radio, something like 21 million downloads. Thanks for tuning in. Share us with your friends. Binge listen over the holiday break. And remember to tag us on Instagram with a hashtag Girl Boss Radio and at Girl Boss because sometimes we repost these things. We're going to be taking a quick break over the holidays to rest up with our friends and family. But don't worry, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming for Girl Boss Radio on January 8th. In the meantime, rest up. Don't think about work too much. Make the most of it. Hang out with the people you love. Eat food with them. Maybe have a toast. I don't know, feed yourself breakfast and exercise. That's it. See you in 2020.